Okay, well, uh, thank you. Uh, I'm Lucy Shooter, and I am one of the mental health practitioners based here at Pontville School, along with my colleague, Phil Dowling. Um, and I should probably start by explaining a little bit about mental health practitioner. We are a team of um, counsellors and psychotherapists, and we are based in um, all of the school education and care settings across the Witherslack group. Um, we're very fortunate, we're a multi-skilled disciplinary team and we're made up of counsellors from um, art therapy backgrounds, uh, music backgrounds, play therapy and we've kind of got a, a very broad range of skills between us. So there's myself and Phil based here at Pontville. Okay, so um, just here, sort of starting with mental health and only having 20 minutes, it's a a very broad subject to cover in a, a short space of time. So mental health, it kind of is incorporated in, in lots of what we've already talked about and heard about today. Um, so much of the work that happens here at Pontville School that I'll touch on as we go through um, feeds into a child's experience of um, relationships, experiences and positive mental health. And we know that sometimes that can be challenging for some young people. So I've just put here a statistic that I took from uh, the, the government recently published a green paper. And within that, it was talking about mental health services for young people and children in the UK today. And they cited that 850,000 young people and children in the UK today have a diagnosable mental health need. That doesn't encounter any children that have yet to have diagnosis or suffer day-to-day -day with, with mental health needs and issues. So I just thought that figure was astounding, really, looking, and that's um, all children in the UK. Um, you'll see here from the stats, and I think Tony uh, touched on earlier on, that children with additional needs are more prone to experiencing additional mental health issues, anxiety-related issues, and are much more prone than sort of everyday population and will experience those kind of problems throughout any time of their life. So, you know, um, the government are talking more about mental health. Within the Green Paper, it talks about every school uh, education setting in the... I think it's 2025 having a designated mental health team and lead. Um, they've invested £1.5 billion. Um, and we're very, very fortunate within the Witherslack group that that is already the case. So we are already, you know, um, promoting that and we have those services available for our young people. And I think we're talking more about mental health. It is definitely more on the agenda. There are more campaigns out there. And hopefully, you know, that will increase and we'll get the right services in place for all children in the UK. So, here at Pontville School, there's an exhaustive list of a very talented, skilled um, team here. Ourselves, clinical team, and everybody else that works here. Um, I've tried to list as many of those teams up there as I can because I wanted to illustrate that... Um, as a child comes to us during their uh, experience of coming to school here, they will encounter and make relationships with all of these people. 
they will have day-to-day -day experiences and relationships which will uh, feed into their mental health, well-being and self-esteem. So, for example, here, you know, you all had a lovely lunch. The catering teams work extremely hard here. Many of our young people work alongside them in the kitchen and get a real positive feedback from that experience. Similarly with the maintenance staff, uh, Justine showed some lovely photographs earlier on of the children working alongside the multidisciplinary team here and learning skills, developing self-esteem and positive mental well-being. Um, here with the Slack group, I think we've touched on earlier on in today, we embrace a positive um, behaviour ethos framework. It's around sort of building esteem, a can-do, a growth mindset, and helping young people to achieve potential. Obviously, we realise that that is sometimes difficult and there will be challenges along the way. Um, we are here to grow that young mind and support them through their journey. And the, the framework is around it being child-centred and child being inclusive of that and it coming from what their wants and wishes might be. So for each young person, we talked earlier on around strategies and coming up with thoughts and things that might help it day to day. We will um, put together a positive behaviour plan, which will be unique to the young person about their strengths, things that they might find difficult, and how we can support them and grow them to reach full potential. And here, uh, this is really the core values of any kind of therapeutic work around being empathic and understanding, you know, being non-judgmental and being present in a young person's way that they see the world and experience the world. So this is just an example, and I think Tony was talking about earlier on, um, understanding behaviour. 10% being the, at the top here, and that might be um, behaviour that we see, what we see every day. We talked about rebound behaviour before. A young person will hold and contain all day long and go home, and that, that is the safe place where it will all come. So that would be the behaviour that we might well see as parents and at school. Um, underneath that, the, the other 90% is the sort of unseen, the hidden emotions what the young person is holding, what they are experiencing, and sometimes not able to articulate or even understand themselves. So our role within the, that sort of mindset of positive behaviour is to help them to begin to understand what they're experiencing. This is the core work of therapeutic work and also staff um, that have those day-to-day -day relationships. Um, and it's helping the young person access what, what is best for them. So I've got an example here. It might be a bit difficult to see right at the back, but it is here in your packs. And this is written by a young person here, and she's written it herself uh, with a member of staff, and she asked for support. She recognised and identified that when she became um, frustrated and was struggling, that her levels of swearing would increase. And she asked for support with, she wanted to reduce that, um, how she responded in those situations, which shows an immense amount of self-awareness and maturity to actually say, that's what my needs are. So she wrote this in her words, 
And I think it's, she would be delighted, she's thrilled that this has been read. I've asked her how she felt about us sharing this today. So the young lady here to my left, um, she said, Any, everyone in my class is different. I get on with some in my class really well. For example, she, she listed her friends there. There are some people in my class that I don't get on as well with. But this is okay, because everyone is different and people of people that we get along with. Sometimes people in my class make noises, talk about things that I'm not interested in and take a long time to explain things. But this is okay because we are all different and they can't help it, but this can make me feel cross. When I feel like this, sometimes I shout and swear. This might make the other person feel sad. This is okay to have these feelings, but instead of shouting and swearing, I can. And she's listed there things, fidget toy, talk to an adult, use her symbols that express how she's feeling when she can't find the words, uh, ask for time out. And I think what's important here is that she's validating her feelings. It's okay to feel that way. We all feel that way. But when I feel like this, what can I do? And we're doing this in a calm place before she reaches that level of frustration. So she went on there to say, this can help me to feel calm and happy and in control. And also links to her future aspirations. When I leave school, I'd like to get a job where I can help young children. And to do this, I need to be patient and use kind words. So again, this is linking to what she wants for her future and her own aspirations and desires and wishes, which is really vitally important that we're hearing and listening to what our young people want. So we've talked throughout the day, and Justine showed some lovely photographs earlier on, about how young people benefit from therapeutic experiences here at Pontville School and across the Witherslack group. Um, Therapy may well come in direct one-to-one -one sessions. It might well be um, Lego therapy. It could be one-to-one -one sessions with myself as a counsellor and the other therapists here. But it's also therapeutic experience is also everything else that we've been talking about. So, you know, those things like, oh, shopping therapy. I'm going to go shopping. I've had a really stressful week. Glass of wine, bath. Being outdoors, that therapeutic feeling of being by the sea and going for a, a walk in the country. These are all ways that we um, put into our cup, look after emotional well-being and build self-esteem. So many of the things here are expressive outlets. So through music, where we don't have to have words and labels that make us clearly understand. It's a pouring of emotion into a creative outlet that really does move stuff for our young people. And that's through achievements, sporting achievements, reward, recognition, and celebrating strength, success, and also hearing when things are difficult as well. And that's okay, because we all find things difficult. And really encouraging that sort of growth mindset of, um, I find this difficult, but I can. With hard work, it will become easier. Um, just wanted to offer you this, actually, yesterday. Working with a young person who I've known for a long time, about three years now, and when I first met him, he struggled to even speak to me. Um, and he'd been, he had to make a decision recently. 
a very difficult decision which he'd been deliberating over for about six months. And I saw him yesterday, and I've never seen him smile like he did. He literally beamed. He's made a decision that was very, very difficult for him, and he didn't have the confidence to do that, say, six months ago. And when I asked him, I said, how are you feeling now? And he just said, well, why have I wasted all this time? And it was so nice, because I've never, ever seen him smile as broadly as he did yesterday. So I just think, what an emotional journey to be able to be part of. Um, systemic work. So as it says here, therapy doesn't necessarily always mean one-to-one -one direct therapy sessions. It could be a whole range of other activities that we offer um, as a multidisciplinary team. It might be consultation with staff, um, giving advice and recommendations, consultation with yourselves as parents, and getting to know our young people. It might be um, advocating for the young person in, in many different ways, and, and that could be in professional meetings, that could be with classroom staff, in, in whatever way is appropriate, really. The ITAC meetings, the internal team around the children, those meetings are vital for us to have a collaborative discussion about the emotional well-being of every young person, how they're progressing and what we can do to help them you know, develop full potential. And of course, liaising with external services. Much of our work will be related, no doubt, with CAMS and so on. So these are all ways in which we work alongside one-to-one -one, um, therapy sessions. So in terms of um, my work, um, I'm going to read this out here because it's very poignant. The therapeutic relationship is a connection and a relationship developed between the therapist and client over time. Without the therapeutic relationship, there can be no effective or meaningful therapy. And that really is the basis. It's the trust between myself and a young person. And pre-therapy work right here at the top is crucial. So for one young person, going up into the therapy room and me explaining what I do might be feel okay and we might agree on regular one-to-one -one sessions. For another young person, that could be a year, 18 months, two years away. For the other young person, it might be that uh, I crawl under the table with them and share some space with them for however long it takes. Um, it could be that I have a cup of tea in a break time to get to know a young person until they feel in a, in, that they've got a trusting relationship. Not all therapy takes place in a therapy room because that would not be appropriate either. We're very fortunate it might be walk and talk, as we were hearing about earlier on. There's a research that supports that many young people benefit from that walk-talk therapeutic encounter. It's just less invasive, less demand, where they feel more able to engage in that way. Um, I just want to touch on the bottom here about implicit and explicit, because <coughs> I think that's really key, and that's been a lot about my learning experience here at this school. So... Implicit is what is spoken and what is said, uh, what the young person might be able to articulate and say, I feel this way today, and reflect on maybe previous feelings. But the implicit is equally important, and that's working with a felt sense, the unspoken and the unseen. So that might be, it could be body language, it could be just knowing that young person. I've got a young person that I work with at the moment, um, and I've worked with them for some time now. 
and I can generally just get a, a feeling by looking at the body language and how they hold themselves, what kind of day they might be having. So it's using all of those skills in terms of the spoken, and they might not always marry up. Young people are very good at masking feelings, so it's working with the underlying and the felt sense as well as the spoken. Approach. Um, equally, it could be that some young people don't have the uh, vocabulary or capacity to um, talk in emotional terms like that. Um, and it might be play therapy uh, or activity creative focus therapy. Um, I think there's a quote around play therapy being the window to a young person's inner experiences. It really does enable, as Laura was saying, to allow children to use language in a different way. So through play, we can explore feelings and emotions that is um, appropriate for the young person. Justine was talking about special interests. So it could well be that we use special interests as a way in terms of th working therapeutically. Um, for some young people, we'll use lyrics. For musically gifted, it might be poetry, all kind of cre creative ways. Uh, I was pretty taken aback with a young person that I was working with who is extremely artistic. And this person developed a whole range of characters and drew them, gave them names, um, gave them a character. And we used these characters to explore all parts of her personality and how she sees herself, and then extend that how she sees the outside world. Um, and I think just being able to externalise feelings in those ways is very powerful for our young people. So just to summarise, really, and I think this is a summary of the day, is that every experience and relationship that we offer young people is important. We've got a vital role, because everything we do on a day-to-day -day as parents, professionals, and everyone in the room is impacting on the young person's feelings about how they see themselves, how they see others, and where they fit and belong, and what their ideas are about the world. So it's crucially important that you know, we're giving them the environments to thrive, to also talk openly about um, mental health and well-being, put that on the agenda that young people understand it's really important to look after ourselves as much as having three meals a day and sleep and all of our basic needs that emotional well-being is just as important as any other the needs um, I think Tony was talking about our hierarchy of needs and helping young people to look after themselves and be open and exploring what it is that they're feeling so I've got a, a summary here and I've got a lovely poem written by a young person that I'm just ending therapy with at the moment. And I asked her if I could share this with you today. Um, so I, I met her when she first started in school and she was incredibly anxious um, and she would avoid anything difficult and challenging and found it quite difficult at first. So we're just finishing now and she was describing her journey and her experience here at Pompville. And she's in a much different place now. So um, she has written, unique and different like a seascape in the moonlight, chilled and friendly, light shining out of windows of warmth and trust. Its beautiful moonlight shines look, not lost houses by the sea, like a second home, everyone's second home, come together in community. 
Whether you are here for the moonlight, for the sea, or you're here because you are here, it is only at Pontville. Thank you. Thank you.